I'm just, yeah. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome this morning to Wisdom Seekers class here at the Father's Church. My name is Monica, and I will be your teacher this morning. Um, yay! Welcome to all those that are listening um, via the archive. Um, I'm going to start with prayer, if I might. That's always a good thing. Father, we welcome you here. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your abiding presence. And, and we welcome you into this house today. We welcome you into our hearts. We welcome you into every part of our existence. And, and I just want to say thank you, Lord, for your spirit and for the way that you so faithfully manifest yourself to us and dwell within us and empower us to do what you have created us to do. But even more than that, Lord, we just thank you, Father, for the privilege of just being in your presence. And Lord, I just speak over this day. I speak over this class, and I ask you, Lord, that, that you would speak through me that in the midst of, of this hour, Lord, you would manifest yourself. Your spirit would just pour into all of us and, and let it be a launch point for this day. Let, to be, let today be just absolutely reckless in your spirit, remarkable in every way. And Father, I just ask you that, that you would anoint me and I don't want to just be that scribe that just regurgitates what's on this paper. Lord, have your way. Have your way in all of us. Speak to your people and, and bless this day. Let it be everything you ordained it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yay, praise the Lord. I, um, you know, I must entitle this a discussion about God just to follow Scott from last week's discussion of grace because I don't really feel like this is so much a teaching as it is just, um, I guess, an awakening. And, and you know, we, we learn by experience. Revelation comes through experience. And we, we learn together through our shared experiences. And I love this class because I love that it truly is um, the fruit of, of our experience with the Lord. Because you know, we're called upon to share, to teach, to study. And that is all led of the Spirit. And, and you can't really do it from the mind of man. You know, that just doesn't fly in this house. <laughs> we don't want that. It, it is all led of the Spirit. And so really what we're going to talk about today is, is really my experience over the last couple of weeks, number of weeks, I'd say. And, um, and just really what I've been meditating upon. And, 
You know, you go and you pursue the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to teach in this hour? And this is all he gave me. This is what he demanded me to bring forth. And sometimes it's like you feel like <laughs> you're opening the door to your prayer closet. And you're like, oh, I don't know. But I just want to be really vulnerable. And I, I want to tell you that just from the beginning, I'm not satisfied. <laughs> I want more. I'm fulfilled I, every single day. I pursue the Lord. It is everything just like it is for you, for me. But I know that there's more, and I do not want to live below my heritage in him. I don't want to live below what he has created and called us to be and to function in in him. And I know the only thing that keeps me from that is myself. And so, you know, this, this last 20 years has really been such a journey, such a progression of learning how, you know, going in and out of the wilderness and, you know, feeling like he's right here, but then feeling like he's so far away and, and all the things that he's taught us through this journey, but this journey continues. But I just feel like in this year of grace, that there is a grace <laughs> that is about to propel us. And, and last Saturday during First Saturday Prayer, which really was the launch point for this second half of the year, the Lord just dropped in my spirit in the middle of prayer this passage out of Ephesians. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the agape of Christ, which passes knowledge, and that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. And I felt like that was a word for us. I felt like that was a, a word that the Spirit was sowing into the apostolic heart of his house. And I feel like it's not just a word for us, but it's a word for us to cultivate in this hour and to take forth into the nations. Because there's more. There's the breadth, there's the length, there's the depth, there's the height. To know his agape, to know and to function in, in who he is as the Christ. And so I've carried this with me, but it kind of overlapped on top of um, some of the things that I've been meditating on over the last month or so. And I, I'll have to say that um, I was gone for almost a month. And the first eight or nine days of it was for ministry. And... Uh, and that was such a blessing and, and such a uh, really, such an encouragement um, to be in France and to see the, the progression, the, pro the progressive movement forward in the saints in France. And then from there, I was home for a couple of days, and then my family went for our two-week sojourn to the beach. And it's, it's literally like going from the marketplace where you're fully functional into like your prayer closet for me. That two weeks is like my time in the whole entire year where we get away and it's family time. But for me, I step into my prayer closet and it's just me and God. And, and the Lord has done so many things over the years during that two weeks because, you know, it's good to get away sometimes. <laughs> it is. But you never, you, never, you never remove yourself from who you are in him and what your calling is. It's like I'm a part of this body right? And, and if I was the right arm, 
the body doesn't just cut off the right arm so that I can go for two weeks and be gone and functions without a right arm. You know, nowhere, no matter where he calls you or where you go, I know that there's, there's Sabbath, there's rest, there's all that, but we still are functioning bodies, and we still need to, um, there, there's, um, we're still before him, and we still do the business of the kingdom, right? But anyway, so it was that two weeks, and so, you know, I just pressed in, and uh, I rested, and, and I pressed in, and, and I really tried to, you know, get, rejuvenated for this next six months and uh and it was about you know I, I started noticing that in my devotion and just my quiet time before the Lord I just kept feeling this gnawing hunger to know the Lord well yeah to know him and by the time the day that we left to come back it's like a 10 or 12 hour drive in the car I was sitting in the front seat, and this was gnawing so strong in me that I just like kept trying, it's like in my spirit, and even I even did this in the natural, just kept trying to reach out and touch him. Because this gnawing to know his presence, to be aware, I guess I should say. Because he's always with us, right? He is omnipresent, we're gonna talk about that. He is always with us. But it's our awareness that falls short of actually acknowledging and recognizing and stepping into that dimension of, of who he is in our midst, right? There's a difference between his, uh, you know, his presence and his manifest presence, and we're going to talk about that. And I have to say that this is like a discussion. This is something that I don't know. This is something I'm learning. 22 years into this, I'm learning this, trying to understand how to tap that manifest presence because I know that we were in the hour where he is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. I know that. I don't want to miss him. <laughs> I don't want to miss one moment. If, it's, I'm, if I'm in Whole Foods and he wants to manifest his presence on me for me to extend my hand and heal someone, I don't want to miss that because I'm thinking about plantain chips. You know what I mean? So this is really, I'm just sharing where I've been. And in this just this gnawing pursuit to, to know the Lord and, and uh, so that's where I am and, and this is what I'm going to share with you today just in hopes that that this will you know in some ways prophetically encourage you do you want to know him more do you want to I mean really do you want to know him more because I'm telling you this it's going to cost you something else. <laughs> you know, because I'm like, Lord, I, I, I'm desperate. I want to know you more. I, wanna be, I, I, I want that depth. I, I want to understand you. I want to know you like Moses did. I want to hear you like Moses did. But I also recognize, because he's, you know, that still small voice speaks to me and says, it's going to, it costs you everything. And I haven't given everything. <laughs> I mean, let's be real, guys. I think my heart is geared towards that. And that's my heart, is to give everything. And I really believe, you know, when it comes down to it, I'm going to take this, okay, I'm going to take this, I'm okay, I'm going to take this, okay. But the greatest love is that he gives his life for his friend, right? None of us have really been tested for that. And I don't think we're going to, but... Um, 
yeah so we won't go there but anyway I, I just this is just really where I've been and so over the last couple of days I mean a lot of these scriptures are just scriptures that I've meditated on just really in that pursuit and and I realized that you know God is a person right and and in the deep and mighty character of his nature he thinks right he wills he enjoys he feels he loves he suffers he created us in his image he is a person and so in making himself known to us he will stay within that familiar pattern for us so that we can experience him in that way that's that familiar pattern of personality and so he does he communicates to us to us through our our minds our wills our emotions our spirit right our heart he does that he's so good I mean he truly has given us everything but that that exchange that privilege of communication that privilege of commune that privilege of intimacy with the God with God with God Almighty really is that's the throbbing heart of the New Testament that's what we that's what we have and so I guess I say all this to say I don't want to come behind I, I want it all I, I want to step in deeper I want to know him and I'm so thankful that his grace is here he's drawing us I mean what I, I come back and what has been the message since I since we've been back has been knowing the Lord right it's, it's not that we're going backwards it's that we're taking the slim simplicity of who he is and who he created us to be and we're pressing deeper and and I'm going <laughs> I mean I I, I just I, I'm just yeah you know I don't want today just to be an ordinary church day I want to stand up here and speak and I want the Spirit of the Lord to be in this room with the power to heal <laughs> because that's what Jesus did and Jesus said you will do greater things I don't want pastor to stand up there and preach I want every single one of us to be recognize that we are in the presence of Almighty God and be absolutely changed this morning I don't want the enemy to hit me because he hits me every single Sunday at some time. And then I walk around with this frown on my face like, what the heck? You know what I'm talking about? Where's the joy? Well, the joy is in him. So I, I, I'm just, I, I, I just want more. And, and, and I know that's what God's speaking to us about. And I know that's where we are. And you know, there's something called, um, you know, the beautiful thing about, about the Lord is that his grace is before, right? You know, we love him because he loved us first. That's called, is it prevenient grace or um, grace that comes before? <laughs> Did I just make that word up? <laughs> I've learned from the best. It, it literally, I mean, literally means that before a man can seek God, God must first have sought the man. That's the God that we serve. Let me give you a few more scriptures. 
I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore thy loving kindness have I drawn thee. John 6, 64, no man can come unto me unless the Father who has sent me draws him. He's drawing us. John 4, 19, we love him because he loved, he first loved us. Psalm 63, 8, my soul follows hard after thee, thy right hand upholds me. So as my soul is following hard after him, he's already holding me with his right hand. Song of Solomon 1.4, draw me and we will run after thee, for the king has brought us into his chambers. He's drawing us. The question is, is will we respond? Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. So, you know, in this pursuit, the Lord led me to Moses. And one of the things that, you know, Moses had, uh, something was really special about that guy. <laughs> I mean, you think about his whole sojourn and his, 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 just the whole experience that he walked with God and how many times the Spirit, the Lord, manifested himself to him and to those children. <laughs> I mean, literal manifestations. Now, when, when the pillar is there in the tabernacle and God begins to speak to him face to face, I don't know. I mean, did everybody see that pillar or was that just something Moses saw in his spirit? I don't know. But nonetheless, the Bible says the pillar was there. It was the manifest presence of God, and he spoke to Moses face to face, right? Now, I know when the Red Sea parted, the Red Sea parted. But over and over and over again through the life of Moses as he walked with God and led the people out of deliver out of um, captivity God manifested himself and and one of the things that I recognize and we're going to look at this first passage in Exodus 33:13 is that he draws us and we respond and then we pursue him and he manifests his presence to us and then we connect with him and we partner in his ways. And I, I love this passage because Moses, you know, he's making these deliberations with the Lord. The people are acting just all crazy. The Lord is angry, if I can say that. But from, from everything I read, he's pretty ticked, <laughs> and rightfully so. And, and Moses is the intercessor. He's the prophet. And he's, he's making deliberations before the Lord. And, and, and the Lord's given him this calling to deliver these people and take them through the wilderness. They're acting all crazy and, and, and disobedient. And Moses is standing in the gap for them. And, and at the same time, you can feel, you can see, you can read just through Exodus 33 and even into 34, the absolute desperate, desperate pursuit of, the, of that man's heart to know the ways of the Lord to know God because Lord I can't go if you don't go with me <laughs> and that's what we should all be saying I don't want to go I don't want to go in that sanctuary if he didn't go with us right that's the whole point but mo I think the Lord really loved his heart because he responded to the Lord and he was even bold enough to not argue with the Lord but say Lord look you promised this I know you're angry, but have mercy upon us 
help me to find grace in your sight and lead us through so that everyone will know that you are our God and we are your people. And so I read a quote somewhere that said, to have found God and to still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. And it really is. We have found him, guys. He is here. But we still pursue him. But those ones, you know, those ones with the burning heart, they're scorned by the satisfied religionists who don't get it. But we are justified in the happy and fulfilled experience in the midst of that burning heart in pursuing him. And so Moses, really, he knew the Lord. The Bible said that intimately. But he used that fact that he knew the Lord as an argument for knowing God better because here in Exodus 33, 13, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I might find grace in thy sight. And then from here, remember, he, he rose, he made that daring request that God would show him his glory. That's okay. And God honored that pursuit. He honored that, that, that display of hunger. And the next day, called him up into the mount and made that solemn procession across and showed him his back parts. Now, that part I will never understand, the back part part other than he said, no man shall see my face. Yet he communed with Moses face to face. And so to find him requires a search. And one of the things I love about this, this verse 13 is that it says that I have found grace in your sight. And this word for, 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 for found, actually the word for pray and the word for found is this word massa, which literally means to come forth, to appear, to attain, to find, or to acquire. But, and this is the part I want us to see, it is used to describe the result following after a time of seeking. And I never thought about that verse that way. I always thought, oh, Moses was just a cool guy, and he found grace in the, in the eyes of the Lord. And I always thought that about Noah. I always thought that's what that passage meant, and it did. But to find means that you had to pursue it. So Moses was pursuing grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's what we need to be doing, right? Yeah, are you with me? Amen. And we know grace, we know what that is. It's that, it's promotion. It's, it's, what, it's what enables us to move forward. To, to, to experience deliverance, to experience miraculous accomplishment. His grace enables us to move upward from challenges and from modes of existence into the new places that God has ordained for us to exist and function in. And, and it get, he gives his grace so that we can grow, we can move forward, and it enables us to partner with him in new things that God has ordained for us. And so Moses was pushing, he was pressing that in the eyes of the Lord. What is the eyes of the Lord? Well, the eye represents the fountain, but it's used to express knowledge, character, attitude, inclination, opinion, passion, and response. 
The eye is a good barometer of the inner man. But we're talking about the eyes of the Lord. But if God is, you know, he is a person, we also know that it is his seven spirits and the fullness of his ways, right? And so the eyes of the Lord and the seven spirits, it depicts his unchanging personality, the way he does things on behalf of his throne. And, and his, remember, his eyes go throughout the whole world looking for those who will do exploits according to him, who will walk in humility according to his purpose. And, and literally, his eyes are intent upon the fulfillment of his plan throughout creation. And so Noah was, I mean, he was searching. He was pursuing grace in the, in the spirit of the Lord, in his eyes. And God honored that so that he might know God. And what is, what is know? This is the word yada, and it's, I guess it's the, the Hebrew um, word for gnosko, which is what we studied a couple months ago. Um, and it's that knowing that comes through experience. Um, it literally means to know. Um, it is used to express a multitude of shades of knowledge and experience that are gained through the senses. Okay? It is used as the most intimate acquaintance. As God knew Moses, he yada Moses. Moses knew the Lord, knew him face to face. It's the word for, if I, say, if I dare say this, for intercourse. So it is the most intimate exchange that, that we can know. And it depicts our relationship with our God as we, as we um, seek to know him. But it, um, yeah, so Moses was seeking grace for what he knew God had created him for and for what he had called him to accomplish in the eyes of the Lord so that he might know the Lord in the fullness, right? And then he says, show me thy way. But let's reread this, because I don't want to get out of, out, of, um, out of the progression here. Now, therefore, I, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me your way. And this word for way is the road, it's the pathway. So knowing God is always going to involve his pathway for you. You know, sometimes I think we just want to know the Lord and have this intimate exchange with him and, and just stay there. But it's always going to be a moving. It's always going to be accomplishing. It's always going to be on behalf of, of his um, eternal purpose and what he created us to accomplish in and through him. Amen? So that was the heart of Moses. And um, finding God, knowing him, requires the search. And he truly is looking for those who will respond to his drawing. And, you know, we talked about the, the, the grace a few minutes ago. He extends, he extends his grace and draws us in. He's looking for those that will respond. And I think that that, in a lot of ways, is the key to the manifestation of his presence in our life. And I think that was a key to the manifest presence of, of, of him in the life of Moses and in the life of the deliverance of those, 
of God's people. And so I want I I, I want to be aware. You know, I, I want to be so just so um, aware of that drawing. And I, I don't want to miss it. And, and I want to go after it and go after him so that, I, so, that I, so that we know his pathway, so that we know his way, so that we know him. Because knowing his pathway, according to this passage, in a lot of ways, really um, describes him. You can't separate him from his purpose. It's like the principle of agape. You, you can't separate him, his passion from his purpose. And, and yeah. Anybody have a comment before I go on? Have I stunned everyone? Yes, absolutely. Stupefied, mesmerized. That was a good one for a while. <laughs> that was a stunner. So I, I gave you a few other verses on this sheet. And, and like I said, these are just verses that I've really been meditating upon. So um, they, they speak of, of seeking the Lord and finding him and seeking him with our whole heart. You know, it, 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 it requires our whole heart. And, and when I said it's going to cost us more, <laughs> It, it, you know, it, it, is, it is our whole heart. And one of the things I love about this study of the eye is, um, you know, the eye is the fountain, right? And I love that passage that says, if thy eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light. Your whole body will be filled with his spirit. But all these things that the eyes are used to express, knowledge, character, attitude, inclination, opinion, passion, and response, all those things have to be single. And that's the thing that sometimes gets us because our eyes are caught by, we're visual, by things of this world. And, and, and so God is really calling us into that, um, that place of single vision so that we will be filled with the fullness of his ways. Amen? Amen. So God is a spirit. God is a spirit and God is love. And, you know, like I said, this is really just... Um, a discussion, I guess I should say. I mean, these are not new principles. These are things that we have learned that the Spirit has taught us. Um, but, you know, he, as a spirit, breathed his, his life into us. But he formed us, and we know this. He formed us for his pleasure. That is scriptural. He longs. He longs. The person of God, the heart of God, longs for divine communion with us. And, and, and he meant for us to see him to perceive him, to know him in that way. And we talk about knowing God in a lot of ways. Knowing and perceiving are synonymous. And, and, and so he meant for us to see him and to know him and to live with him and to draw our life from him. But what we have to remember, and this is something that, that, that I know that we live and something that I experience, we all experience, but the, the demarcation line is, is kind of challenging for me to understand. The line between heart or soul and spirit with us as people because when you look at God as a spirit he's the pneuma you know he's the breath he's the wind and through that wind he empowers us right and he he really empowers our search our pursuit but we the highest love of God is not intellectual it is not soulish it is spiritual and that's what we glean through our whole study of agape right 
So God is a spirit, and the only the spirit of man can, tr- can truly really know him. In the deep spirit of every one of us, there should be a fire that glows. And if that's not happening, it's not really love for God. It's not really his love. And, I, you know, I think about, you know, why, why is it, you know, you look back through the scriptures and you look through the, you know, back at um, the saints or the patriarchs and, 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 you know, sometimes just marvel at their interaction, their awareness, their exchange that they have with the Lord. You know, what makes, what makes that happen? You know, are there, are there those that are greater in the kingdom who love God more? I don't know, but I will say that there needs to be a love within us, a passion within us that is so intense that it threatens to consume us. <laughs> because we're talking about God. We're talking about the consuming fire. We're talking about the one who created us and gave us the great, our identity and our privilege to serve him. And that love is not really understood by the common, you know, common man. And that's something that we face. People just don't get it. But it, here's something it does, is it carries immense authority. Because to have been in his presence and to, be, you know, to abide in his agape and to report what you have seen, carries great power amen I, I this is like one of my favorite quotes that I've ever read and I believe that it it's a quote of Tozer but I should have gone back and checked I'm not exactly sure but I guess we could give him credit since he's passed on but it says and this is my I mean this is truly like something that that is like a heart cry for me it says between the scribe who has read and the prophet who has seen There is a difference as wide as the sea. We are overrun today with orthodox scribes, but the prophets, where are they? The hard voice of the scribe sounds over evangelism, but the church waits for the tender voice of the saint, ah, who has penetrated the veil, ah, and who has gazed with inward eye upon the wonder that is God. And yet, thus to penetrate, to push insensitive living experience into the holy presence is a privilege that is open to every child of God. There's a difference. And the church is full of scribes. I don't want to be a scribe. I, 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 I want to come forth out of being in the very presence of God. And, 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 and that, that's the prophet. That's the voice of the prophet. Amen? And so God is love. What is, you know, what does that mean? Well, to refresh you, I'm going to just read out of um, what I pulled out of the agape book. The agape, or love, when it says God is love, is the purest demonstration of passion that is fueled by the heart of God burning within us to press towards the goal of establishing his purpose in and through us. It comes from Agab, meaning, Breathe hard after, truly to breathe after the heart of God in the passionate pursuit of fulfilling his purpose. Those who accept God have predetermined calling upon their lives, and in order to activate that calling and move towards being chosen or commissioned as a saint, we must access the agape of the Father. 
From this we receive his revealed directive for ministry and are shown areas which are to be touched by his hand in the moments immediately ahead. If the cares of this world begin to tap and drain our agape, we will lose our fire of pursuit. Therefore, we must invest ourselves totally in him. Everything he does with mankind is on the basis of our relationship with him through his agape. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that just a treasure of understanding? And so that he is that. And he created us to, to abide in that, to function in that, and to come forth through that. The veil was removed by the tearing of the flesh of Jesus with nothing on God's side to prevent us from entering in, from dwelling, and from abiding in that place of agape. So why do we tarry without? Why would we ever? Yet there's multitudes that do. And, and you know, I... I, we can't access his agape through our thinking. It's got to be, it's spirit to spirit. And, 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 and it, it, this goes back to, you know, that grace of his drawing. I believe he draws us in his love. He draws us through his grace and through his love. And, that, and, and in that drawing comes that passion that is fueled from his heart. And that passion drives our spirit to press into the deep places. We need passion. We need our soul. We need that. But where do you separate the passion, you know, the, the soul from the spirit? I, I, I know God created us perfectly in his image to function perfectly. And I know that if, if, if agape is breathing hard, that is breath. And so somewhere in that breath of breathing hard after his passion and penetrating into that place of the Spirit of God in his presence, he, that's how he created us to function. And from that place, everything comes, is the fruit of everything. I don't want to go to the nations and not go, go with that, go from that, because that is powerless. It might work for a while, but you know what? People are hungry People are hungry for the presence of God. And when you've been in his presence, when you have responded to that drawing, and you've been in his presence, there should be a glow in, in your countenance. I was going to say continents. Your countenance. <laughs> that might glow too. I don't know. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? We should all be glowing. That's what I'm saying. And so if I, when I step into Brazil, I want to go in after being in the presence of God. And I, want, I, I, I say to him, I won't go unless you go with me. And I expect to go, and I expect to demonstrate and to, to reveal and to um, embody his spirit. And for it to glow. And for people to say, I want what she has. Right? That's what people are hungry for. They don't want another good song they want a song from the prophet that has been in the presence of God because therein lies the power for change and and you know if 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 me saying this is only to say I know that I know that I know that when I walked back into that sanctuary after being away and God you know meditating on this for two weeks 
And I literally felt like I stepped into the tabernacle of David. And I was in the presence of the Lord. And I could slay 10,000. Not that it's just about warfare. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know this is where God has us. And, and I know that his revelation is coming, maybe even today. Yes, today. Where he is showing us the very depth of his heart. And through that, through that revelation... Because of the experience of being in his presence, therein comes power to change the nations. I mean, we are in for some revelation that's going to blow our minds. And every single, every single time I step into this house and I am taught, I am blown away by the way God reveals. Aren't you? If you're not anymore, I really suggest that you get on your face. Because what God has given to us is a treasure. It is the greatest thing we will ever obtain. Because it's him and it's his presence. Okay. I'm preaching now. God is a person. Okay. And, and we're going to step a little bit into just his, manifest, his presence and his manifest presence. Because there's just a lot of things that I just really I, I want to understand. And... Um, and, you know, Moses, we're going to go back to Moses. The Bible says that he knew God face to face. That's, okay. He really, really, if we think about it, was a prototype. And that he modeled a lifestyle that was above the law. And hear what I'm saying. Not in a sense that the law didn't apply to him. But you think about it back then. For the, the priests and the Levites, what did they have to go through to go into the presence of God? Think about all that sanctification and all that that they had to go through. With Moses, hey, come. Come on up. I want to be with you. I, 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 I want you to see me. I, I want to speak with you. Huh? <laughs> you right? He had access to the presence of God in a way that was forbidden by the law. And that, my friends, is a prophetic picture for us in this new covenant. God is saying, come on up. Come up. Come up. I want to manifest myself to you. So God is a person. He, he manifests himself throughout Scripture. Really, um, we see that the that, that he is present, that he is speaking, pleading, loving, working, manifesting himself wherever and whenever his people have the recept receptivity necessary to receive the manifestation. I gave you a few, a few scriptures that speak of the five senses because he does, you know, <laughs> he created us, right, perfectly for all that, that he, for all, for all of this, he, he created us perfectly. He created us with everything we need to connect with him, to commune with him, to partner with him in perfect fulfillment, Right? He gave us senses, and so we apprehend the things of the world by exercising the faculties that he gave us, right? We walk around here, and we activate, you know, our, our sight and our hearing and our touch and our smell and our taste. All those things are the way that we apprehend this world. But it's the same in the spirit. And so if I say anything at all, if you hear me, let that spiritual senses be activated within you because God wants to reveal himself to you in greater ways through those spiritual senses. I love what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.12, to apprehend 
if that I may, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Amen. So we possess these spiritual faculties by which we can know God. And we can know the spiritual world, right, as well. And so I speak grace into every one of you. I speak grace into this house. I speak grace into all the saints that that there would be just a grace upon your being and upon your spiritual senses that you would become more sensitive to recognize and to be aware of his manifest presence in your life. Don't you want that? I want to know him every second that I am alive. I want to know that I am dwelling in his presence every When I'm driving in my car, I want to know he's sitting in the passenger seat. When I lay my head down at night, I want to know that he's right there with me. And it's not, you know, I have to keep going. A spiritual kingdom, I mean, it lies all around us, right? It's enclosing us. It's embracing us. It's beckoning us. And it's within our reach. It's waiting for us to recognize it and to acknowledge it. And God has taught us so much about this. He's taught us so much about gleaning the seven spirits and gleaning the mind of the Lord and interpretation and vision and and all that. Let it be activated today. And let's go into this next six months with that grace, with that awareness. Amen? Yeah, thanks. His presence, okay? He is omnipresent. He is divine eminence. And that means that he is here. Wherever we are, he is here. There is no place that he is not. Ten million intelligences standing at as many points in space and upon the earth and separated by incomprehensible distance can, can each one say, and with equal truth, God is here. If I'm standing in the sanctuary and you are traveling in Utah and you're standing in the Mormon temple, God is no closer to me than he is to you because God is there. God is everywhere. His presence is everywhere. He is omnipresent. Now, his man, the manifestation of his presence may be different in those two places, right? I've stood in a multitude of old cathedrals throughout this world, and there was not one ounce of manifestation of his presence <laughs> that I could sense, and you have too. But his presence is there, right? And so... He's called to that place. I mean, our first estate, our d- proper dwelling place, and our right is to dwell in the very center of his presence. Solomon wrote, the spirit of the Lord fills the world. But then you also think about Adam. You know, manifest presence is different from presence. Adam tried to hide from the manifest presence of God. I think we've all done that if we were all truthful. David also had to have entertained things like this because he wrote this beautiful psalm about God's divine eminence, Psalm 139. And I'm going to read verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? And that, that spirit is ruah, that is the person of God, the heart and individually of him. It is always conveyed as the spirit of Yahweh or the spirit of Elohim, 
not always, but it is what is conveyed as that, and it resides within us. It's what he breathed into us. And David says, where can I flee from that spirit, from your spirit? And where can I, shall I flee from your presence? That's his face. Remember his face that turns? If I ascend up into the heavens, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall, shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. I love that. Acts 17, 24 through 28. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he gives life to all and breath and all things, and has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. They that should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also as of your own points that poets have said, for we are his offspring. He is everywhere. There is not a place where we can conceive he is not. And then I'm reminded of Jacob. Not for one second of his life was he out of the presence of God. Yet he came to that place of Bethel where the Lord dropped down a ladder from heaven <laughs> Yahweh, Elohim, top and bottom, communed with him, and what did he say? Surely God was in this place, and I didn't know it. I don't want that to happen to me. Let your senses, let be activated and become aware. Now, his presence and his manifest presence are not the same, okay? There can be one without the other. He is here. He is here. His presence is here even when we are not aware of it, right? He is manifest only when and as we are aware of his presence, okay? So that's his manifest presence. And I, I told a story about the dove on the shoulder, and it got a lot of laughs, but I was dead serious <laughs> because that really touched me, his Holy Spirit. Consider the dove. Consider it is a bird that is easily Fly, um, startled and flies off, right? And so consider the Holy Spirit is in you. You're hosting his spirit, right? Consider the fact that it would be sitting on your shoulder, okay? So if it's sitting on your shoulder and you're aware of it, which you should be, because every single one of us should be hosting that Holy Spirit, that wherever you go, knowing that it could fly any moment, you're careful and you're aware of that dove. It's awareness. It's so much about our, re our spirit, our, our awareness, our receptivity to his spirit. So what about the manifest presence? Well, for us, because I, I think about this, you know, I think, you know, I look through the Bible and I see how God manifests himself and their awareness of it. You know, Well, for us, we have to surrender to his spirit because the work of the Holy Spirit is to reveal to us the Father and the Son, right? And so as we, as, as we become aware of it and we cooperate in loving obedience, he will manifest himself to us, right? 
And through that comes the globe, comes the radiance. And, and in a lot of ways comes the power. You know, the Bible says over and over about being filled with the Spirit. I had this conversation with Noah on the day before he left. God gave us some really sweet time of commune and conversation. And I just asked him, and this is one of the things I love about this generation. I said, Noah, I want you to tell me what you think the difference is between the presence of God and the manifest presence of God in your life. And there's something just so beautiful about the heart of this generation because he just, for him, he's so intentional with God. It's such a reality for him that, it, that he just, like, can access the Lord. He just accesses the Lord. And so he began to describe to me about, you know, the, the Lord is everywhere, and he recognizes that. But his manifest presence comes when he responds, and that's what we've been talking about. Oh, to know that when you're 21. <laughs> and so he said, the manifest presence is not always on me. I know that. But I'm very aware when he said, sometimes I realize I'm not intentional with the Lord. You know, I go up there and I watch two hours of television. That's not being intentional with the Lord. I'm wasting time. When I pick up my guitar and I begin to worship, I can welcome his manifest presence. And joy comes into me. Or whatever he, you can describe. It could be the power to heal. It could be just about anything. But that's how he manifests. And, 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 and you know, I don't ever want to be stale where I don't have that expectation, where I'm not intentional with the Lord every moment of my life and know, just like Moses, that I've got access. I have got open access by the tearing of that veil to access my Father 24-7, right? And it's not like some 7-Eleven where you're going to go to the ATM. That's not what it's like. However, I will tell you that God makes deposits in every single one of these by His Spirit. And those deposits are resonant within you, and they're there for you to use them at his t in his timing, right? But what happens is we, we, we tend to view God in spatial terms like we think about in the natural, okay? We use language like God is near or God is far from us. We've all done it. The prophets did it. David did it in the Psalms because that's the way that we can. And, and you know, I was thinking about just an analogy, like a father and a son living in the same house, Right? They could live in the same house for five years as adults and have no intentional relationship, but living in the same house. And as they began to embark upon an intentional relationship and getting closer, having experiences together, they come to know one another intimately with a deeper understanding, causing all those barriers of thought and feeling between the two of them to disappear, bringing them into a united place together in heart. That's how it is with the Lord. How intentional are we in his presence? But we never need to shout across distance to an absent God because he's nearer than your own soul. He's closer than your skin. <laughs> he, is in, he is within you, right? And so through all that, I say this. You know, why, why does it seem like some find God in ways that others don't? And I think two things. I think there's probably a multitude, but I think two things to take away from this lesson. One is the pursuit. The value in the pursuit and the fact that he loves the journey. When you feel like he's far away, don't hide from him. Don't, don't get frustrated. Pursue him. 
because he loves the pursuit. We need to find pleasure in the pursuit because he loves that draw, that, that journey. He is drawing us, right? And, and we need to respond. So the question is, is how bad do we really want him? It's not like he manifests himself to some, yet intentionally lets others struggle in this eternal wilderness of imperfect Christian experience. I've been mentoring a friend for about a year, and I swear, well, I shouldn't swear. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it is this, it's like this cycle, this very cycle. It's like this eternal wilderness of imperfect Christian existence when what I can see is the Lord working in his life. In every part of that wilderness journey, God is, 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 is trying to show him who he is. And that's how it's been with every one of us. You know, you consider the saints, you consider the patriarchs. They're all different, but they all walked in this higher place, right? This high road of spiritual living. You think about Abraham, about Isaiah, about Moses, about Samuel, about Paul, about David. I could say that about our apostle. That man walks with God. He does. And, and one thing that all those, all those individuals had in common is that spiritual recept receptivity. Something in them was open to heaven and was urged towards God to respond to him. They had spiritual aware awareness, and they went on to cultivate it until it was the most prominent thing in their lives. They felt that inward lo longing, and they did something about it. And it became a lifelong habit of spiritual response, and they were not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And I'm talking about the patriarchs, and I'm talking about the saints, okay? Our greatest treasure is God himself. Our greatest privilege is to manifest him. People all over the world are crying out for God to show up. It's true. All over the world. And I believe we're in that hour where he is pouring out his spirit. But... <laughs> You know, it's not that hard to get God to show up. He's looking for a heart that will respond to the drawing. He showed up, Jesus showed up in a manger, so he's really not that picky. <laughs> right? And, and sadly, the absence of his manifest presence throughout the church has been attributed to his sovereignty. And this is, a, this is such an unfair assessment to really sweep those unfulfilled promises and, and, and blame him saying, you know, it's just he works in mysterious ways. Think about the only time the disciples could not bring de deliverance to that tormented child, remember? And they, they, they what'd they do? Remember, you know what I'm talking about? They weren't content with the fact they couldn't do it. They, exactly. They didn't just assume, oh, it must, it must not be God's timing. Or, or... It wasn't God's sovereign will. So what did they do? They asked Jesus. They wanted to know him. They wanted to know why, his ways. And G what did Jesus do? He demonstrated it, and he told, then he told them why. This is doing and teaching, which is exactly what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I think I'm doing more of the doing than the teaching. But So that experience that we all have leads to the revelation and the knowing him, and the child was set free. So we can't blame the father when he doesn't show up. Because the lack, guys, is always going to be on our end. 
His covenant is complete and effective for all of us. And what did Jesus say? This comes out only by fasting and prayer. By, by, by fasting so that we can become more like him, to know him more. And through prosuke, through that prophetic declaration of his perfect will that we glean by being in his presence. And so if we allow, if he will allow us to carry as much of his presence as we are willing to acknowledge, be aware of, pursue, cultivate, and jealously guard over, do we even know how much is available to us? I believe he's about to show us. Moses, who was not even born again because Jesus had not come and died for our sins, carried a measure of the presence of God that is even unusual for us today. And you know what? I want that, right? That is, that is a prototype for us in the new covenant. And by the blood of Jesus, he's given us, a, you know, he's, he's given us everything that we need. Amen? And I'm going to end with this. He's given us everything. He's given us everything that belongs to him. And we have access to know him and to manifest his presence. John 16, 14. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. And this word for show means declare it unto you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and he shall declare it unto you. And then the passage that Pastor spoke on last Sunday, Luke 15, 31. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. He is releasing all that he possesses into us. We need to respond. We need to keep pressing in. We need to know him, and we need, our prayer needs to be just like Moses. Show me your way. Show me the pathway that I might know you and that I might glorify you. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, I just ask that I'm not going to ask that you would be with us today because you are with us. God forbid we ever say anything that is counter to your promise. You tell us you will never leave or forsake us. So why do we say, Lord, be with us? Why don't we just acknowledge your presence? Father, your presence is here. And Lord, I just ask that every single one of us would press into it with your grace, that we would, that we would find grace in your eyes through our pursuit and that you would show us your ways and that we would know you even more intimately and father we just love you i speak over this entire day i speak over our pastor i speak over all the saints throughout the network lord father today is your day and we honor you in every way in the name of jesus amen amen